Welcome back to the wrestling room. I am in my bedroom in Bend, Oregon. This is an Airbnb and we're visiting, my wife and I are visiting our son Samuel and his wife Hannah. And so I wanted to take just a little bit of time out of this trip to share a few verses with you from Psalm 131. And uh, congratulations, we made it through 2020 and we're now plowing into 2021. And our last year was a challenge. This year uh, is shaping up to be a challenge as well. So we need our minds equipped. We need the right mindset to approach this year and to maneuver through this year uh, as victors, thriving, not just surviving, because God did not create us to live under the circumstances. He created us to be overcomers, to be light, to be salt, and to be a difference makers and hope givers. And so I want to share several different truths out of Psalm 131 that will prepare us to navigate the new year victoriously, not under the circumstances. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive into Psalm 131. If you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it. If not, that's okay. I'll be reading to you. So let me pray. Father, give us ears to hear. Give us a heart that is teachable. And Lord Jesus, may we grab hold of this truth and take it with us into this new year. Lord, I pray that those who are listening to this teaching, God, it will get down deep into their spirit and it will transform them, it'll change them, it'll encourage them. I pray this in the good, powerful name of Jesus. Amen, amen. So the background of Psalm 131 is thought to be David running for his life from King Saul. David has been anointed to be the next king. King Saul is jealous and threatened by David, and he is hell-bent on exterminating him. And so this chapter is, in all likelihood, a picture of how a man can live in peace and rest and with hope in the midst of very, very dire circumstances. And so this seems to be a repeating theme in a lot of the messages, but I think it's important. God is trying to say something to us. So Psalm 131, let's read it together and then I'll share a couple thoughts from it. David says this, O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor are my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother, my soul is like a weaned child within me. Then he concludes, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. There are several things I see in this passage. In the middle of all of this turmoil, David says this, Lord, my heart is not proud, nor are my eyes haughty. What is David saying? Keep in mind that David was the giant killer. David was the hero of Israel, and he still is to this day. He was a poet. He was a musician. He was the warrior of warriors. He was handsome. <laughs> he was gifted. But somehow David had cultivated a heart of humility. And he said, Lord, when I look in the mirror, I don't see a great man who needs to promote himself. I don't see a man who is so important that he needs to put himself out there. David had a heart of humility, even in the midst of life 
threatening circumstances. We live in a world right now that is extraordinarily self-promoting. Self is so important. Uh, there was an article out of the UK uh, paper called the Daily Mail. And here's the title. It says, what a vain bunch we really are. That's the title of the article. And here's the first sentence. It says, the world, it seems, is much vainer than we could possibly have imagined. And it goes on to talk about that in the year 2016, this is four years ago, there were 24 billion selfies posted to Google Sites. 24 billion. That's 66 million every day. We live in a world that is obsessed with self. In fact, there's a, a term that's been coined called self-itis. Whenever you have an itis after a word, it literally indicates inflammation. <laughs> self-itis. We are a culture that is inflamed with self. We are on fire for ourselves. We're obsessed with ourselves. Many have said this is the most narcissistic culture in history. I think it may be. The, end, the, the scripture says that in the end times, that men would be boastful, proud. They would be lovers of self, not lovers of God. We're living in those days. Add a pandemic when there is a life-threatening situation and you have another aspect of self-itis. You have self-preservation. Self-preservation. And what I want to share with you guys is this. If you go into 2021 trying to preserve yourself, you will not thrive. David was being chased. His life was in danger. And he said, Lord, I don't consider my life as all that important. I don't consider myself worth promoting. David held his life in an open hand. He knew God was in control of his life. And he held his life in an open hand. The Apostle Paul in Acts 20, we talked about this last week, was at the end of his life, heading to Jerusalem. Everybody who knew and loved him said, do not go. You're going to be in danger. And Paul said, I know I will. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has been telling me over and over and over that prison and persecution await me if I go to Jerusalem. But guess what? I don't care. He said, nothing moves me. I don't care about this at all. Why? He said, because I don't consider my life as dear. In other words, I don't highly value my life above the mission that God has given me. What was that mission? To make Jesus known and to preach the gospel. He would say in Philippians 1.21, for me to live, if I'm going to be alive, my life is all about Jesus. To die well, that's the cherry on top. I just get to go be with Jesus. Paul made it very clear that his life was not so dear that he would cling to it at the expense of the mission of getting the name of Jesus out. And when we cling to our life and we self-preserve, the last thing we're thinking about is what Jesus said. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life. That is exactly the opposite of a self-preservation mindset. Jesus would say to his disciples, if you hold on to your life, you will lose your life. But if you let your life go, if you give your life to me and for the sake of the gospel, you will find your life. Brothers and sisters, as we enter 2021, enter with a heart of humility that says this, my life is not so important to me that I will cling to it. 
C.S. Lewis defined humility in this way, and I, I just think this is so powerful. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not degrading the person that God created you to be, but it's thinking about yourself less. My encouragement to you moving into this year is a heart of humility that doesn't think of yourself less or think less of yourself, excuse me, but that thinks about yourself less. Jesus again said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He came to save. That's our mission as well. Heart of humility, let go of your life and find your life. The second thing David says is in the second half of chapter 131, verse one, it says this. He says, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Not only do I not think more highly of myself than I should think, not only do I not cling to my life and try to promote myself and protect my life, I don't get, my, get involved in things that are not my business. This is another epidemic, is that there's so many armchair politicians. There are so many of us, and I got caught up in this, that are spending hours and hours and hours watching the news, trying to figure out the next political move, and, and is, there a, is, there a, is there, you know, a, 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 a covert plan going on and what trying to figure out the chess game of the, the political scene and it's driving us all crazy. It's driving us all crazy. I got a call from a friend this week who over the last nine months has spent two to three hours in front of the TV each night trying to absorb all the news, keeping up with all the news and it, it created such an anger in him that became depression, that became despair, that resulted in heavy alcohol abuse. <laughs> And he, found, he said, I found myself losing my wealth, my health, and my most beloved relationships. And he called me, he said, Russ, it's all over. I'm done. I've been sober now for two weeks, and this life is a mess. And he realized he had gotten involved in things that he shouldn't have ever gotten involved in. Proverbs 26, 17 says this. This is a very powerful verse. And it says this. It says, like one who takes a dog by the ears is he who passes by and meddles with strife not belonging to him. Let me read it again. Like one who takes a dog by the ears, is he who passes by and meddles with strife not belonging to him. In other words, somebody who gets involved in issues that God has not ordained that you get involved in. You stick your nose in business that isn't yours. It's like going up to a pit bull and grabbing him by the ears. You're going to get messed up. It's going to result in scarring and injury. That's precisely what happened to my friend. And God in Hebrews 2 verse 10 said that we are his workmanship. We are his work of art and we've been created for a specific purpose, to minister to a specific people. We've been given a specific skill set and gift set to get something done on this planet. And what does the enemy want to do? He wants to distract us. Dad, God has given you a wife and kids. Boss, he's given you employees. We have been given people to, to speak life into, to mentor, to raise up, to serve powerfully. But if we're distracted and things that are too great for us, 
trying to solve the world's political problems. We're going to miss it. David practiced humility. He chose a heart of humility, but he practiced simplicity. When we get involved in things that aren't our business, when we grab the dog by the ears, it brings chaos. But when we simplify, it brings life. It brings simplification to our lives. And that's my second exhortation to you, is simplify your life. Focus on what God has given you to focus on. Psalm chapter one says very, very clearly, the man who is blessed keeps away from all the garbage and he delights in the word of God. And it says he will be like a tree because he delights in the word of God. He spends time in God's word. He'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water who brings forth his fruit in his season. He'll be fruitful, not an angry, cantankerous jerk. He'll be fruitful, brings forth his fruit in his season. And it says his leaf also will not wither. There are so many people withering in this environment. Don't be one of them. Delight in God's word. Simplify your circle of influence down to the word of God first. Go to the master. Go to the creator first. Hear what he has to say. And then use his word as a judge and as a filter for everything else. Know what God thinks and then filter everything else through that. It says his leaf also shall not wither. Whatever he does will prosper. That is the stance and the mindset to go forward into the new year with humility, with simplicity, and then verse two. Verse two says this. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul. David essentially is saying this, in the middle of all the chaos, in the middle of all of the running for my life, in the middle of all the trials and tribulation, I pull myself away from it all and I get quiet. And I get quiet. I compose my soul. What does this mean? To compose one's soul literally means to level the playing field to regain balance, to equalize or to counterbalance. The picture is of a teeter-totter. I don't know if you played on a teeter-totter back in your elementary school days or, or uh, in your youth, but I love teeter-totters. But if you had someone who was heavier or who sat further out on the, on the teeter-totter, you could literally suspend somebody up in the air precariously and dangerously. And what happens in our soul is when we weight our soul with so much news and so much input that is negative and toxic that our soul gets out of balance. And David says, surely I have composed my soul. I have leveled my soul. I have counterbalanced my soul. I'm getting the teeter-totter moving the other direction. How do you do that? Again, you go to the scripture. You fill your mind with truth. God's thoughts, God's view of things. The other day during breakfast, I have an app on my phone and I do this often. I turn on this app and I listen to scripture while I'm preparing breakfast. And I was able to listen to First, Thess uh, first Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, and the first, far, uh, first part of First Timothy. And I just allowed the scripture to wash 
over my soul and to bring my soul into balance, to bring the teeter-totter into balance and to, to, to restore my soul. And that is what he's saying. Certainly or surely I have composed my soul. I've brought it into balance. Guys, we've got to, ladies, we've got to balance our souls. We've got to restore our souls. That's what Psalm 23 says that our shepherd does. Jesus restores our soul. But it also says, I have quieted my soul. There has never been a time when we need to pull away out of all the noise and just be silent. It says, I have quieted my soul. That literally means to be silent, to stop and listen without talking. There's so many words. There's so many words on this planet. So many words coming at us from every direction. And David says, I have shut off all the voices. I have filled myself with truth so that my soul is balanced. But then I have shut off the voices and I sit in silence. And there's so much in scripture that talks about being silent before the Lord. The practice of silence, the spiritual discipline of silence. And we know that as we study great men and women of God, that they spent much time in silence. I'm challenging you in 2021, find time to sit in silence. Turn off the computer, turn off your phone, turn off any noise, any beeps and buzzes, even turn off the lights and just sit in the presence of the Lord. Oftentimes, guys, I will just sit before the Lord with my hands open, eyes closed, trying to quiet my mind to hear from God. My palms open in a place of reception. Lord, I'm drawing near to you. Speak to me, Lord. What do you want to say to me, Lord? Lord, I'm drawing near to you. My palms open to receive. My ears, literally, I, I think of my ears as being open to hear the, hear the voice of God. David says, surely I have composed my soul and I've quieted my soul to hear the voice of God. To hear the voice of God. Friends, this is not some supernatural level of walking with God. This is normal, normal Christianity. This is normal relationship with God. We have gotten so used to subnormal that when somebody lives this way, it almost seems like some super Christian. No, this is the normal Christian life. This is what God has intended for us. A balanced soul, a quieted soul. Humility before God. The mission is more valuable than my life. Simplicity, focusing on what God called me to do and tranquility, quieting myself before God, letting him speak to me, filling me, washing me with his word, speaking to me as I sit before him in silence. These three things will prepare me to thrive in 2021. The last couple sentences of this chapter give us the results of this. David says this, he says, like a weaned child resting against his mother, so my soul is like a weaned child within me. What is the difference between a weaned child and an unweaned child? An unweaned child is frankly a brat, whining, crying, squirming, moving, won't sit still, uh, discontented. 
disquieted. It's not a pleasant thing to be around an unweaned child. They're always demanding. And that's the difference between an unweaned and weaned child. The unweaned demands of the mother, whereas a weaned child delights in the mother or the father. One of the most beautiful things that I remember experiencing as a dad with young children was when they fell asleep on my chest. No demands, no whining. They just were content to lay against my chest and sleep safely. They were resting. They were secure. No demands, no squirming. It was a beautiful thing. As we enter 2021, we have a choice we have to make. Will we act like an unweaned child, demanding, discontented, anxious, short-tempered, angry? Or will we get before God and say, I don't think less of myself, but I'm gonna think of myself less. I'm not gonna complicate my life with a bunch of stuff that I don't have the answers for. I'm, gonna, I'm going to focus on what you created me for. I'm gonna simplify my life. And then Lord, I'm going to get before you in quietness, fill my soul with your word, and sit before you to hear your voice. If you will do this, you will be a, as a weaned child delighting in your father, delighting in the Lord Jesus. Your life will be solid and strong. And David ends this way. He says, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. You will live with expectancy, with hope, with an anticipation of God going to do something, not just out there, but through you, through you. I want to challenge you that God wants to use you this year to make a difference in this dark planet. He wants to shine his light through you. Humility, simplicity, tranquility leads to serenity and expectancy. And you can live that way in 2021. That is completely within your grasp. It's a choice you can make. Make it. Join me. That is my purpose this year is to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. He will lift me up, hold my life in an open hand, focus on the people and the things that God has called me to focus on, fulfill my mission, live with tranquility and quietness before the Lord, making sure I get up in the morning and spend time with God, getting my heart and my mind right before I ever see another face or hear another voice. The result will be serenity in my spirit. I will rest. I will delight in the Father. I won't demand of the Father. I will live in a state of rest and security and authority and power, not a disquieted, grumpy, angry disposition. And I will hope in God. I will have an expectancy for what great things God will do this year. Are you with me? Are you with me? I hope you are. Father, we commit this message to you. We believe your word has spoken, and now may we be not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. God, may those under the, the, the sound of my voice respond to you, Spirit of God, to your word. May they be transformed and, and renewed in their mind. May their heart be strengthened. May they rise up to love and serve you like they never have this year. And we pray it in the good, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Here we go. Let's do this. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.